0: Hi, guys. Hello and welcome to the Clipping Chains podcast from clippingchains.com, where we are funding the adventurous life. This is your host, Chad Andrews. And hi, how are you? We are just coming off the Thanksgiving holiday, and this episode left me with so much to be thankful for. This week on episode 15, I want to welcome the thought provoking and real deal van dwelling climber, Craig Fallhaber. While a conversation with Craig would be interesting at any time, this snapshot in Craig's life is really quite unique. On September 19th of this year, 2021, Craig was involved in a very serious climbing accident. After hearing the news of Craig's accident, I was surprised to learn that he was on the cusp of quitting his job. As a college math professor and sort of retiring early. I was further shocked to learn that he had achieved financial independence, or his version of it, without investing. Of course, I had to learn more. And I think you'll be interested to learn more as well. In the weeks since we've recorded this conversation, Craig has kept me updated on some of the more quantifiable ways that an accident like this can affect our lives. To date, Craig estimates that he would be responsible for at least $250,000 in medical costs without health insurance. That's just to date. Thankfully, his insurance plan should cover most of these costs, but we both want to stress the critical importance of health insurance, and I hope we've provided some very cost-effective solutions to avoid this sort of financial nightmare. Finally, we discuss Craig's interest in music. I'll soon tease one of his self-produced tracks as we head into this episode, But stick around all the way to the end to hear the full track. And oh yeah, cut that playback speed down to 1x. You don't want to hear this on 3x or whatever speed you listen to podcasts. And if you're interested, I provided the unique music video Craig produced for this track in the show notes. I really think it's worth a view. And on that show notes page, you will find Craig's website, Instagram page, and a host of other resources related to this discussion. Okay. Craig reminds us in his recent writing to be thankful for the mundane. So with that, let's get into this conversation with Craig Fallhaber, which is anything but mundane.
1: Well, how are you doing? How was your appointment? Um, you know, <laughs> there was a little bit of a setback. Um, I was expecting to be able to get on some crutches uh, after this appointment because I was supposed to get my left foot back. I was supposed to be able to put weight on it, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, apparently it's not ready uh, after they looked at the x-rays, so I have six more weeks in the wheelchair.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um,
1: Which, you know, I knew that the right leg was going to be six weeks, the knee and the pelvis anyway, but um, yeah, I was really hoping to be able to kind of get upright and onto some crutches, but... It was not in the cards, unfortunately. Um.
0: Yeah, well, we're rolling any time, so maybe let's begin. I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about as it relates to just this website, but let's not skirt around the obvious here. On September 19th, you were involved with a very bad accident. Could have been a fatal accident. To the extent Mm -hmm. you feel comfortable, can you tell me about what happened?
1: yeah sure um so i was out top rope soloing at a rock called house rock near keystone colorado Mm -hmm. and um so you know i was out there most of the day uh, pretty much all morning just working this like 10 foot section of rock on this on this route called uh, burning down the house and um you know i was falling and you know just kind of projecting it i probably fell on that thing uh you know, 30 or so times, uh, I was using, I was using a Petzl shunt, by the way, that's kind of important, I guess. Um, I probably fell on that shunt, you know, 30 or so times. And I finally was able to get this sequence that I was working on. I was pretty happy and I was like, well, I'll try it one more time. And on that, you know, last try, uh, when I fell instead of the shunt catching me, I I hit the ground. Um, fortunately there were a few climbers around and they called uh, 911 Um, I was actually conscious through the whole thing. Um, But, uh, you know, Search and Rescue was able to get out there. It was a Summit County Search and Rescue Mm -hmm. in about uh, 45 minutes or an hour. And um, they got me down to an ambulance, which took me to a helicopter, which took me to uh, St. Anthony's Medical Center out in Lakewood. Um, So, yeah.
0: And just for those, because I do have a fair amount of people who tune into this that aren't climbers. So, basically... Mm -hmm. Our general relationship with climbing is that someone's climbing on a rope and someone is down at the ground, you know, belaying them through a device. But you were kind of doing this all as a solo operation using a kind of capture feed mechanism, correct?
1: Yeah, I had walked around to the top of the rock and set up a rope, um, just kind of fixed the line Mm -hmm. there on this route that I was working and used this device called the pencil shunt to um, attach me to the rope.
0: Yeah, and so you were out there trying to work on a route that's hard for you. You didn't want to waste belayers' time or whatever or find partners. And so you're out there alone. And then talk us through basically what you think happened. How did you How you end up on the ground and how far did you fall? I don't know if you just said that. I might have missed it.
1: Uh, I didn't actually. It was about 35 feet okay. probably um, straight down to the ground. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's still a little bit unclear as to how the dev- or the device came off of the rope. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple possibilities, you know, since I've posted this story on mountain projects, um, yeah. And I'll put a link a to that for climbers.
0: Yeah. You've got a pretty good description of what happened on there. I'll post a link to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So through that discussion, we learned a couple of things. Uh, one, if this device, um, falls into a stop or not, it can open up and release a rope. It's, um, probably not the case that that's what happened for me. Um, so probably what happened is it's a little bit tough to describe um, without you know a picture of the device and a rope mm-hmm. going through the device, but uh, it seems like the rope kind of snagged. Uh, the device may have t- tilted sideways a little bit and the rope kind of snagged in the top of it and just kind of ripped straight out of this very small crack um, that's just naturally in the device. And um, the shunt itself uh, has a weak enough construction that it warped and opened up and, and released the rope. Hmm. That's that's our best guess as to uh, what may have happened.
0: I mean, how tra- like okay, I, I have a lot of questions. I mean, maybe let's talk yeah. about the extent of your injuries. But like, how traumatic was this for people on the ground? How many people were there? How many people saw this?
1: Yeah, so there were three climbers that I was kind of hanging out with and goofing out, um, goofing off with a little bit that day. Um, I had met two of them before. Um, one was climbing on the route next to me and, uh, another was belaying that climber. And the Mm -hmm. third was just sitting actually just kind of beneath me, just kind of watching. Um, and I, right before the accident, I looked down at him and I was kind of psyched because I had just, you know, done my, my goal for the day and just looked down at him and just like, you know, was kind of psyched and said, Oh, I'll give it one more try. Mm -hmm. And right after that, I hit the ground. So, so he was watching the whole thing. Um, you know, I don't know. I've been in touch with him, um, that particular climber, and I can't get, I haven't gotten too much out of him. You know, he's, you know, asked me how I'm doing and that kind of stuff. And um, it's kind of hard to have a, a deeper conversation about how are you doing, sure. you know, on your end. Uh, it's kind of via text. So I thought maybe you could come over, but I, I haven't uh, haven't figured that out yet. Um, another climber who was there who actually grabbed me i was apparently trying to get up right after i hit the ground and i started to walk a little bit and this uh climber kind of tackled me and held me down and kind of kept me from moving and Mm. uh was just so kind and you know talking to me and keeping me alert the whole time and making sure i didn't pass out and um you know just kind of keeping me calm um yeah i mean he was he had me on his lap for probably 45 minutes or an hour wow Um, and i've had him over uh he's come over to our place a couple of times uh, since the accident. We've had some food and hung out. And that's been really nice. Um, so I think he feels better because he sees that I'm, you know, doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the third climber, I mean, he's been out. <laughs> the third climber has done some big stuff in the black since. So I'm I'm assuming he's doing okay. Okay enough to do that kind of stuff, at least.
0: Black Canyon, Gunson and <laughs> kind that's of scary right. climbing. Yeah. yeah, he's probably doing yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, so did, when you hit the ground, did you know like, oh, you know, this is bad or you're like, oh, that hurt. Let me get up and shake myself off.
1: Yeah, it was it was really jarring. I, I don't remember the fall because I think it just goes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the feeling and the sound of hitting the ground. Mm. Um, and I, I was, you know, my vision was blurry and my eyes were kind of not all the way open, but I remember just looking down and seeing blood Oh. And um, it was it was pretty surreal. Um, there was a moment, just a few seconds after I hit the ground, where I actually thought I was back on the route climbing, and it was like, oh, I didn't just fall. This is great, you know, I'm I'm back on this route, and that was just some weird, you know, thing that didn't really happen. And then, you know, seconds later, I was I was back,
2: hmm.
1: and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this did happen. But the whole thing was really. You know, I think when you have a, a traumatic accident like that, you're, um, you, you kind of get this really high level of dissociation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really felt like it wasn't happening to me. Uh, and that was really the case for, you know, the first week plus, um, maybe even up to <laughs> now, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a part of me that's like, oh yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well, before we get into that, I mean,
0: let's, what what's the damage? What what have you done to yourself? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, you know, honestly, from the moment the device removed itself from the rope, I was about as lucky as you could be. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any major spinal cord damage. I didn't have any major brain trauma. So those are the two big things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did break a whole lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I broke both heels, um, my feet in a couple different places. Um, I broke my right knee, um, two vertebrae in my back. Um broke my pelvis in a bunch of places, the sacrum, which is, I guess, part of the pelvis as well. Um, My right elbow. Um, And, oh, a bunch of ribs. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. At some point, point, they were scanning me, and I was like, yeah, my ribs hurt a lot, too. Like, you're going to scan those? And at some point, they're like, ah, those are going to heal with the rest of you. (laughs) It's the least of your problems.
0: Yeah, the ribs, they kind of just ride off. You break a rib, they're Yeah, yeah. That'll hurt, but...
1: Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that.
0: I mean, so do you have a <laughs> prognosis of getting back to where you were? I mean, what is the long-term...
1: Um, they don't really like to say. I yeah, feel like I'm that sure um, don't. whole prognosis where people on TV will say, uh, I'm expected to have a full recovery. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's really a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think any doctor is uh, brave enough to say that. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't have any injuries that seem like they're going to last long-term. You know, they said I'll probably have some um, arthritis in my knee. Sure, for sure. And, you know, I might have some problems going forward, but they don't seem to think that I'm going to have any issues um, getting back to what I'm doing.
0: Well, you know, we connected over this injury, and I knew you from climbing around the front range. We had crossed paths. We didn't know each other very well but i had as a result of your injury kind of discovered your website where you've been writing for a number of years and you had a lot of similar concepts there that you know i've been addressing mm. as well about you know life and freedom and even to some degree finances and career and i was like wow he's just had this you know quote unquote near death experience <laughs> that will maybe cast new light on his thinking or something but you've also had some very interesting commentary i've been reading some of your most recent um, writing about how this near-death experience doesn't really resonate and you kind of feel oddly unfazed. Talk me through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, it actually started when we had our first discussion. You said, you know, how has your outlook on life changed? And I started thinking like, you know, I really haven't had that moment. Like, where's my epiphany? You know, like Mm. as soon as I hit the ground, I should have this like, you know, this epiphany that I've lived my life the wrong way and (laughs) and I need to make some changes Mm -hmm. now. And, and I, I just haven't had that. Um, It just feels like a thing that happened and I'm going to sit around for three months, maybe more and not be able to be very active. And then I can get back to doing what I love to do, which is, you know, living in my van and with my girlfriend and uh, in climbing. Um, And, you know, after I thought about that for a while, I, I guess I, Kind of came to the conclusion that I, I took it as a positive. Really, I mean, I feel like maybe the epiphany after an experience like this is more often experienced by someone who's kind of lived in uh, an unchecked life. Mm. You know, just kind of going mm-hmm. through the through the motions. And and that definitely isn't me. I mean, um, no, like not. I said, uh, my girlfriend and I have been living in our. Our van for almost five years, and we've been live, working, um, you know, normal uh, nine to five career jobs. Um, so, you know, we we probably didn't get to that point uh, without you know questioning the status quo quite a bit.
0: For sure, um, for sure.
1: So, I I'm I'm guessing at this point, maybe maybe that's the reason I haven't had this epiphany. <laughs> Um, it could be that uh, you know I have some strong defense mechanisms, and it all come out in twenty years or something like right. that. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, that's what's capturing yeah.
0: my imagination. I can see it in the photos of you, your writing. Just the, even when we talked offline about a week ago, it doesn't. You don't strike me as someone who just had this quote unquote near death experience. You seem content, even in the photos I see of you. you have this. I don't know. It's just this air about you that doesn't say like this really sucks which is what I think most people would be going through and outwardly showing. I mean, God, if I get a cold for five days, I'm just like, this sucks. Like, I can't, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Do you just think that's something about your personality? Or, where is, it, or is this just this, I don't know, What Maybe. or does an injury like this just do that to you in some way?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I think it is a big part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty content. Um. I don't know. I mean, m- maybe I'm optimistic. Maybe I have a tendency to kind of look at the bright side. I mean, I was really lucky. I, mm-hmm. this could have gone so much worse. Um, you know, you don't normally fall that distance and land in a perfect orientation so as to not hit your head right. and not, you know, mess up your spine. Uh, so I, I feel really lucky, I guess, um, first, but I guess second, I don't know. Um, I I live a pretty easy life. I mean, even now, <laughs> I, we live at an age when I can sit on a comfortable bed and veg out and watch a hundred different shows on Netflix. You know, this is <laughs> and there's good shows. It seems out rare, these days. at least <laughs> historically. Yeah, yeah, and they're all new to me because I had never really watched TV for the last several years. Oh wow, so. what
0: a great time yeah. to be injured I, then!
1: <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a little baby, and you give him an iPad, and you just stare yeah. at it just stare at it. You know yeah, I can, I can just sit there and stare at the TV for hours. And, uh, I feel like, you know, six weeks is a long time from, from now, but, um, I have it about as easy as anybody else has ever had it historically. Um, so I'm
0: I'm in agreement and I appreciate this optimism. You know, I think about that often, especially in the times we're living in there's, it's easy to be upset about a lot. Um, yeah, it it seems a lot harder to do what you're doing and have this acceptance. And so that's what really kind of, uh, I don't know, you have this aura about you that brought me to you and wanted to talk to you. And I can already see that it's paying off and,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, and people, people have been so kind and and you're right about in this time too, because I'm coming off a time when, you know, I only started rope soloing because you know, of COVID Hmm. and, uh, there's that extra isolation there. And, um, you know, there was no way to scroll without it being doom scrolling because um, there was right. so much out there. and um, You know, I, you kind of lose faith in humanity to some degree, you know, not completely, of course. But to some degree, you're kind of thinking, oh, mm-hmm. man, the world has gone mad. And uh, you have an accident like this and, you know, people are, have been so good. Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, I've, I've had so many moments that are just, you know, I've just had so much gratitude for like, the kindness that people um have towards you when you're when you're really in trouble. Um, you know, the people at the crag who, you know, the dude who held me in his lap, yeah. <laughs> you know, put himself in a position where like I could have died in his lap, you know, he didn't know. Hmm. Um, but he, he went ahead and put himself in that position. And, you know, the rescue workers who were volunteers and the uh, the ER doctors who were, you know, doing their best to to keep you alive. And um all the nurses who were overworked and uh just are smiling and, and kind every time they walk into your room. It's it's been really uh, it's been really good to see.
0: Um, well, I'm so glad to hear that. No, I I appreciate yeah. you sharing all of that. And well, let maybe move into you've been alluding to it, and I was going to get to it, of course. But yeah, you live a very unconventional life um, in a way that's still kind of different because there's a lot of people who live unconventional lives um, who maybe <laughs> live in vans or whatever. But you've kind of found this sweet spot of so you were a former homeowner, and tell me about what you did for a living. What you still do for a living?
1: Yeah, yeah, I teach uh, math at the community college level.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: I've been doing that for close to sixteen years.
0: But at some point, you decided to move out of the house you owned and into a van. But yet you're still living in the you're in the Denver area, correct? Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and living basically in a city, but in a van. So you're not just out traveling full-time climbing. You, you kind of have a home base, you're working a career, but you just decided that this was a better fit. I mean, maybe take me through the evolution of how you landed on this lifestyle.
1: Yeah. You know, I guess it kind of goes back to when I did live in the house. Um, I bought the house in 2008, um, about when I started my, my full-time teaching gig and, um, you know, you get summers off as uh, a teacher. And when I started climbing, I kind of realized, Hey, you know, I'm not really spending summers, you know, much of my time in the summer in this house. So, uh, me and my, my ex ended up getting a a van. So, Mm. you know, in the summers we would basically go full time in the van, you know, we'd go up to Wyoming or Mm -hmm. something like that and just climb and, and live in the van. And I mean, you know, probably combined with the fact that I didn't have to work in the summers, it was it was the best time. You know, and you would you'd get to the end of those two or three months, and uh, you'd realize like, man, I didn't need any of that stuff that I had in that house, mm-hmm. um, just kind of sitting there back home. Um, so I kind of started to think, you know, maybe this is maybe this is a a, a life that I would be interested in. And I, I had honestly always been kind of uncomfortable with how much stuff I owned. Right. Never. Never the kind of person that had a ton of things in the, even in the house, but uh, just like the responsibility of ownership always kind of wore on me a little bit. And um, and you had a rule so about then, uh,
0: if you bought something, right? What, what did you tell me? I
1: did. Yeah, yeah. I had a rule where if if uh, we ended up buying anything at the store, we had to get rid of one thing at the house, <laughs> <laughs> just so things didn't pile up. Um, so yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of my level of uh, discomfort with all that. Um, I relate. I relate. Oh, yeah, yeah. And eventually I was kind of like, you know, don't we just move full time into the van? I honestly thought this was something that my my ex wanted. Um, the initial reaction wasn't it totally positive, but um, eventually she started to warm up to the idea. And then it started to become kind of real. So I started to think to myself, okay... Um, we're going to be in really close quarters and, you know, there are things that we can kind of squabble about sometimes. So yeah, I just I have to start being really honest mm-hmm. with her, you know, if something bothers me. I have to say, Hey, you know, this bothers me and, um, and, and vice versa. Um, so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of tested that out. I started to test the waters a little bit, uh, before we moved into the van and, uh, it honestly, it went really poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh i don't need to go into the details maybe but it 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 went pretty poorly um to the point where honestly we um kind of that in my mind at least led to the beginnings of us separating Mm -hmm. Um, so we were married for uh, six years and uh, we ended up we ended up separating um and when we separated you know uh I guess we can talk about the financial stuff later, but um, I ended up moving into the van. Uh, I actually ended up getting a new van and moving into that one.
0: So were you in the van at this point or you? it was still an idea, still getting more serious?
1: Yeah, it was just an idea that was okay. getting more serious So you guys, time. when
0: you separated, you weren't living in it full-time yet?
1: Nope. Actually, when we separated was the first time that I lived in it full-time. I so see. She stayed in the house and I, I moved into the van at that point.
0: So were you living in it more and more? Do you think that, or is it just the idea of this kind of stress coming in the future that maybe was a part of a beginning of the end kind of scenario?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, relationships can work pretty well in a big space, Mm, even if you're not getting along extremely well, because you can separate, you can go to different rooms, right? Um, you know, you can live pretty separate lives in a house, um, two people. So, um, Yeah, I I think it just maybe wasn't the right uh, relationship, probably for either of us. Um, And I guess the idea of moving into a much smaller space just kind of led to, I don't know, a a realization that that it wasn't going to work out long term.
0: Yeah, and I've tried to be honest with that because I've had that experience myself. I mean, you live in a small space with someone, there is literally and figuratively nowhere to hide. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I think that doesn't get, you know, all the glamours of life on the road get highlighted to the nth degree, <laughs> but there's not a lot of people that talk about that very, I mean, arguments can be magnified. Everything is just nowhere else to go. Literally.
1: Yeah. 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 The, the van life thing, I, I would never, um, I would never try to advertise it to, mm-hmm. to anyone or, or suggest that anyone should do it because it is definitely not for everyone. <laughs> Um, if you're with the right person though, um, you know, I'm with uh, Jackie now and, um, mm-hmm. we get along extremely well and, um, those squabbles, even in that small space, they don't really happen. Mm. I mean, we're both, uh, we have very similar personalities. Uh, we're both pretty calm when we um, get emotional. Um, so, you know, any, any things that you might call arguments have turned into us just like sitting cross-legged on our van and just kind of talking it out We call them uh, powwows. That sounds much better. So, you know, the, the honest truth, and again, I'm not trying to advertise this lifestyle, but for us, the, the small space has been good for our relationship. Um, you know, we you, you can't be closer to anybody <laughs> in a person yes. that you're never, yeah, six feet away from. That is true. And, and that physical closeness becomes emotional closeness. Yeah, um,
0: it forces you, it. You, you can't to, beat around the bush. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I don't know what percentage of relationships could survive such a, uh, a setup. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably not super high. All right, I'm with but, you, yeah. But with the right person, it, it. I mean, we really think it's great for our relationship um no distractions you know we're always uh, right there with each other if something goes wrong you can't escape you got to you got to handle it um so i mean it's been great for i think for both of us really
0: and so you both work kind of traditional jobs and just go home to the van i mean had, yeah take me through the logistics of life for you guys because i think you're i mean the, when i see the van lifers out there like traveling full time and maybe they got a remote job or they're an accountant or something where they have big chunks of time off What does it look like for you guys?
1: Yeah. So Jackie has her own, um, vehicle. So, um, Mm. we'll park next to each other at night and, um, you know, she'll just come into the van at night and and we'll, you know, sleep in the van. Uh, usually, you know, the most common place we'll park will be say like a parking lot,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, that we know that uh, we're allowed to park in, um, and then in the morning she'll take off and go to her work, and you know I'll drive to my job, and you know whenever we're both finished we'll meet back up somewhere, usually in a park or at a library or something like that, um, in in Colorado, and and that's kind of the end of the day. <laughs> okay, don't I don't have know a she had lot own of
0: vehicle. That yeah. That yeah, yeah, work. she
1: yeah. does. Um, yeah, But we don't honestly, we don't do like a whole lot of social things. We don't go out to eat. Um, hardly ever, um, you know, for the vast majority of the days, it's been just the two of us. Um, so quiet and, um, not super busy and, and really nice.
0: Yeah. I did notice, and granted when I was living kind of on the road, it was more of a travel lifestyle and I did notice the social thing was a lot harder. Now you probably like me or some shade of introvert, I would imagine. And, um, so we're not, drawn to just having people around us all the time. I mean, we kind of enjoy our own company or the company of our you know, spouse or significant other, but have yeah. you ever had trouble with that? Like you don't have a house to host or anything like, you know, you can't come over to dinner. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can, you can squeeze <laughs> in there, but how does that work for you guys? Or do you just feel content without it?
1: Um, I think we both feel pretty content without it.
0: Okay. Um,
1: you know, we'll meet people cl- out climbing at the crag and, you know, goof around and have fun and, You know, sometimes we'll hang out and chat for a little while after that. But for the most part, we just, you know, go back to the van and have our quiet time together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've both been pretty happy with that.
0: Now, you were, when you met Jackie, you were already living in the van. I mean, did you have to convince her to like move in with you? I mean, how does that (laughs)
1: conversation go? You know, she is very much uh, the same way as me. Okay, Uh, She, for even a short period of time, uh, lived in her car. She had a... Um, she had a Ford escape and, uh, she realized that she was you know, spending so much time outside climbing and driving, uh, to climbing places that it didn't really make sense for her to pay rent. Mm. So, um, for a long time, she slept in her car too. That's not how I met her. Uh, we met just at, at the climbing gym. Okay. And, um, you know, at that point I had only been in the van for a pretty short period of time. Um, but she was, she was all in. I mean, she loved it. It was uh, pretty immediate for her. Interesting. I mean, she lives in a very special family too. Um, (laughs) Her dad will come out, uh, you know, from Wisconsin, drive all the way and they'll go up and hike, you know, Long's peak together or, or do some like multi-pitch route uh, together. And then they'll go back to her car or his car and he'll just sleep in the car.
0: (laughs) there, Um, there, There it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's in it's in her genes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: especially as a uh, woman, I feel like you know a a woman single, alone, living in a car is very rare. Just I mean, perceived or otherwise, the security element does not ring true for a lot of women. Um, Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I
1: think. Yeah, I think it is a is is a rare thing. Um, Definitely lucky to have found Jackie.
0: It sounds like it, for sure. So let's get back to, um, so you were a homeowner, and you just decided this just wasn't a life for you. Too much clutter, too much stuff, too much expectation. You even mentioned, I think, on our call that, you know, like, neighbors didn't like the way you mowed the grass or dealt with the (laughs) lawn, which I totally relate to now living in an HOA kind of traditional retiree neighborhood where everything is just so. Um,
1: (laughs) Watched. You're always watched, aren't you?
0: 100%. I, I yeah. definitely you know i'm i'm definitely still in the the realm of uh, folks who still like my my home you know I still like having a home base but those sort yeah. of things really do drag on my psyche sometimes and i find yeah. if I'm here for more than a few days at a time those sort of things kind of make me a little crazy you know
1: <laughs> sure sure <laughs> um
0: but you did decide when you moved out to keep your home and rent it out
1: yeah. Yeah. That was financially pretty difficult to do during a really? divorce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I had this, I had the house and it, you know, is was in my name, um, but it's marital property.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, it had appreciated in value so much during our uh, marriage that, uh, you know, I owed a really big lump sum of money at the, at the end of the, the, the marriage so I actually kind of had to refinance and take some money out of it to pay the lump sum of money. And um, I started from zero. Uh, I had the house and the van, and that was about it uh, in 2017, early early 2017. Um, so that's I kind of started from scratch at that point. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, well, you're going to have to talk me through this because what we haven't gotten to yet is that you – just recently, right before this accident, we're deciding to step away from work, and I think you even used the word retirement. I don't know if that's accurate, but so where? Yeah. Take me from starting from zero to where you were right, or where you are right around now.
1: Yeah, I mean, so expenses are really low when you live in a van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think you think it's just the rent that you're cutting, but. You go to, say, a department store like Walmart or something like that, and 80% of that store is completely irrelevant.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, you don't have a choice to buy anything (laughs) when you live in a van because there's no place to put it. True. True. Um, So um, I guess to get specific about it, say like in in 2018, uh, my total expenses, I I cut the house out of this, but my total expenses in 2018 were like $12,000. Wow. Um, and I I do live pretty frugally. I don't really care to buy things very often. So that's a pretty low number, probably for even for people living in a van. But I think um, it is, yeah. You know, and I'm I'm not making a ton of money as a teacher. You know, maybe I make like sixty, sixty-five thousand. Um but you know, when you're only spending twelve of that, you know, I was probably saving forty thousand a year. Wow. Um, for the last five years. So um, you know, pretty quickly you build up enough money, and you realize, like, you know, I'm not spending that much money. Like, you know, let's say it's twenty thousand a year. Sure. Um, you know, even if you if you have a couple hundred thousand dollars saved just over the last few years, um, that's ten years. You know, that's <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of retirement. Um,
0: exactly. You know, and that's sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh no. Um. And, you know, I have the house that I'm renting, which you know, there's a little bit of money there. Mostly, it's just paying for itself. Okay, um, but I can teach um, you know part time. I can teach uh, one online class a semester. Um, I also um, I have a friend who's kind of had a standing offer to uh, for me to be his climbing coach. Mm-hmm. So um, you know maybe uh, so so I'll be starting that and that'll that'll be a little bit of money. So it's not like I'd be bringing in zero dollars every single right. year, right? Um, and you know when you only need. or $20,000 a year to survive, it's it's not too hard to make that much money.
0: No, no, it's not. You could pretty easily cover your life expenses and let the other stuff just kind of sit. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I find that fascinating because, you know, this is the message I always try and get across. It's not about how much income you make, although that certainly helps, and it's not about how much you save or don't spend, which, which certainly helps, but I think most folks will find a floor probably above your floor, um, especially yeah, if they yeah. live in a traditional kind of rental or house. Um, sure. so that can get unsustainable to a point, but it is that savings rate or that percentage. And it doesn't matter yeah. where you fall on in the income scale. If, you, if if at the end of the day, you're spending far less than you're making, that gives you a lot of power of choice.
1: Yeah. And I, I always tell people too, that the amount that you spend is more important than the amount that you save as well. Um, because, you know, you might, you might work a job, I don't know, let's just say 30 years or something like that. But the amount that you spend is going to be uh, a number that you keep with you for your whole life, whether you're working or not. Mm-hmm. So you probably, you'll be spending whatever amount <laughs> you're spending for double, double those 30 years so 60 years. Say. Right. Right. So, you know, the amount that you spend is as far as early retirement goes, um, it's really, it seems to be twice as important as the amount that you make or the amount that you spend or the amount that you uh, save.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, so so yeah. a lot of folks in this, you know, there's this whole kind of movement, which I wouldn't necessarily put you into. And maybe we can talk about whether you feel like you belong in that. Is There's a whole fire movement, right? Of this financial independence, early retirement kind of stuff, which I kind of fell yeah. into, but often involves like some sort of investing, which you don't do. And I was surprised because when <laughs> when I found out that you were talking, you know, when we connected, and you were like, "Oh wow, you know, this is great timing." I see your material. I, I was going to quit my job yeah. and retire early too. I'm like, "Oh cool!" I want to know what what he's invested in, like what, and it's the answer is zero. So <laughs> you know, I was shocked. Um, yeah. But I'm impressed. So maybe tell me why, yeah, why aren't you like socking away all this cash into some sort of investment and letting it compound and, you know, blow up and yeah. be worth, you know, many, many, many multiples
1: what you have now. You should not be impressed at all, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> no reason to be impressed by that. I know that I am fully wrong in this uh, area. Hmm. You know, I I teach math too, so I know all about compounding yeah, interest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but no, I don't know. I Honestly... I, I think at some point I might get into that I don't know I, I can't say for sure but I think up to this point the reason I haven't is um, I, I think it's it would stress me out a little bit mm-hmm. and um, I've always valued <laughs> reducing stress over anything else really um, I don't know I I, I see uh, high levels of stress in people in our you know country today and, um, and low levels of sleep mm-hmm. and I uh, <laughs> I'm of the mind that like those two things are just so important for overall health that I, I just try to reduce whatever things stress me out.
0: Um, yeah. You'll hear no f- argument from me there. I completely agree. I think we're overstressed under, under, underslept under, not sleeping enough. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. why does it, why would investing stress you out?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> You know, and I don't want to be this guy. I'm only going to be this guy for the next 15 <laughs> seconds, okay? So I got 15 seconds to be All this guy, right. and then it'll be done. But I, I do have a problem, even like most recently with the pandemic. I do have some kind of problem, like some principal problem inside of me with, uh, say, a market that is booming when so many people have lost their jobs. Mm. Um, I, I really do. I... I I don't know. I, I feel like it's just another, uh, uh, another lack of equity in our in mm-hmm. our country. It's it's kind of favors the people who can, uh, you know, the more well off people who actually have the money to invest, and it certainly does not reflect what's going on in people's lives. Um, so I'm done with that now. Was that that was probably more than 15 seconds? No, <laughs> well, no,
0: and, and this is what I'm fascinated by, and this is why I have run into this a lot, and this is not abnormal at all, especially of our generation. Mm-hmm. Now, I I think some of it is probably linked to, you know, what happened 13 years ago with the financial collapse and all these things. And there's a lot of distrust because that was a major meltdown amongst, you know, like good and good and good for years. Um, And I agree with you. It absolutely favors those who can participate. But I've also been amazed at how infrequently those who can participate do Um, Hmm. and that and, and how little you actually maybe need to participate, too. I tell people all the time, you got 50 bucks a month. So I'm just, I, I yeah, hear you. Yeah. And I'm, I find it super fascinating. I really do. But And you're right. It's not talked about enough. It does absolutely separate those who have from those who do not. And it makes the gap wider.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think there's this thing in my brain. Maybe it's a Midwestern thing or something. But I feel like I have what I have. And, and I don't need more. Um, and I, I think, I I think there's something in me that's a little bit fundamental there with that statement, but, um, and I, I know that I could have just a little bit more with very little risk. Um, but I just, I don't find myself drawn to that and I feel Mm -hmm. like doing it and having it in this system that could collapse or, you know, might not always be, uh, going upwards all the time. I feel like that would create some kind of a stress for me that. It's probably not worth the, however much money I might get every month out of it.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know, and I've told people all the time. I mean, if you think you're going to invest and you can't do it and you can't stick it out through those times, which are inevitable, uh, you know, yeah. there will be collapses. or not collapses per se, but there'll be rough times. Um, it's not worth doing because if you if you cash out and you you know then it doesn't work, and
1: yeah. And, yeah. and I think I would always look at it and be bothered. Yeah, <laughs> Like, oh man, this could go away. I have this much money in this thing that could just disappear. Like, I, I think I would be uncomfortable with that.
0: No, I, I admire that you know yourself well enough to know that because I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, I think a lot of people can get cocky when or arrogant about it when times are good and and, and say to yourself, oh, I could ride these sort of things out, no problem. But I saw a lot of people in early 2020 who had changed their tune. You know, as short-lived as that kind of little mini collapse was, it scared the hell out of people because it was a virus or it was something people had not expected. But it's always something that's not expected. So,
1: yeah, um, yeah, no. That's. Do you wonder? Do you ever wonder if the whole fire movement is almost dependent on a strong market?
0: Oh, absolutely, it is.
1: I mean, yeah,
0: you know, my wife talk and I talk about. I mean, we're getting off in the weeds, but I think it's a valuable conversation. You know, if you look at Japan, for instance. They've yeah. kind of been on a downward trajectory or flat for about, oh, man, you're hmm. going off memory here, but maybe 30 years, 20 years at least. Wow. Um, and so we always wonder, like, oh, do we have this, like, U.S.-centered kind of bias or recency bias? Like, what if we fell into that cycle? You know, how mm-hmm. many people would stick it out if just year after year after year, something you've invested in is losing money? Um Yeah. Even, even for a few years, you know, if you look at some of these cycles in the past around 2000 or 2008, it took many, many years for people to make back their money, um, upwards of 15 years, basically, through those cycles. And yeah. it's everyone has started this, me included, admittedly, in this last 10 to 12 years where things have been very PG, with few exceptions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, we have this American optimism
2: mm-hmm. that
1: this thing is uh, driven by. and um, it's always, it's a little surprising to me. Uh, maybe, I maybe I'm not as optimistic as I think I am. <laughs> I look at that and I say, oh, that's gotta, that's gotta end at some point.
0: Yeah. And that's another fascinating thing. I think we all sometimes wonder, especially during times of, I don't know, just, you know the things we're going through now with COVID and some of the social kind of issues or, or, um, divisiveness in our society and be like, man, you know, it makes you wonder, are we like, is this kind of the beginning of the end? Is this like a slippery slope towards, you know, at least the U S decline from, you know, we've kind of had this arrogance about being number one for so long. Um, Sure. And that, you know, that definitely gives me pause. And I think it gives a lot of people in maybe our generation pause. And I think that's a big part of why folks don't participate in this sort of thing. I don't know. I'm just rambling off the top of my head now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, at the same time, I think to myself, like, when has it been wrong to bet on the 500 most, you know, the 500 richest companies oh. in the U.S.? Like, oh. <laughs> That's probably not a bad bet, right? I don't know. I don't know.
0: No, I, I just think it's interesting. I and mean, you're not the first person I've run into who's been able to sack, sock away a lot of, um, you know, money, basically, but in cash. And cash is obviously, it'll take you more of it because you don't get that kind of, I guess, compounding effect or whatever, that appreciation. So it's going to take more to sustain yourself. But like you said, to sustain yourself, that's hard to enunciate. Um, (laughs) but, um, But like you said, your expenses are low. Do you think that could change? I guess over time. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I just had a major, uh, climbing accident (laughs) involving hospital bills and that kind of stuff. So sure. Yeah. Um, that could definitely change. Um, I, I honestly dread the idea of moving into a, a living situation that isn't the van. Hmm. Uh, That sounds really strange, but, um, so I, I, I imagine that is going to continue. Uh, for the foreseeable future, but I could get hurt. I mean, right now I can't live in the van because uh, I'm in a wheelchair and uh, I don't really have any way to get in there. And there's lots of high stepping involved (laughs) with getting into a van. Uh, There's some mantle moves required for getting up (laughs) into bed. Um, So yeah, yeah. Things could definitely change. And where where are you living for
0: folks that don't know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jackie and I are in an extended stay wheelchair accessible hotel Mm -hmm. near Golden, near uh, Golden, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely an added expense, a bigger expense than we've had in, in the last four or five years. Um, so yeah, that, that could change. Um, you know, my overall thinking about this whole thing is, um, (laughs) maybe a little ironically now that I'm in a wheelchair, but, Um, you know, I'm 41, um, this year was the strongest I've ever been as far as climbing goes. And I know, you know, regardless of how much I train, there's going to be diminishing returns at some point,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, this climbing thing is the thing that I like to do and I like to do it as well as I can for as long as I can. So I figure, you know, if I can retire for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it might be, Um, you know, I can get the most out of myself as far as climbing goes and enjoy that part of my life. And then if I have to go back and teach, you know, college algebra Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the community college system when I'm 60, like I'll be able to do that. That's fine. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and you think you would be able to do that at age 60? Not, not like,
1: are you capable, but could you get hired? Uh, Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I guess the only fear is whether or not things would change Uh between now and then as far as, um. Uh, minimum requirements oh, okay. for, for getting hired in certain positions, yeah. you know, like they might require a PhD, which I don't have. Right. And uh, they might change that at some point. Really? Okay. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I would assume that my 16 years of experience and, you know, I was department chair for my school for a while and, hmm. you know, a lot of good experience yeah. there. Um, I figure, you know, I have a pretty decent resume. If I have a 15 year gap, <laughs> it might be a little bit of a problem, <laughs> but, um, Teachers you know, are in high demand. Yeah, that's true. And wow. I can go into an interview if I can get an interview and um, I can teach and, and convince people that I'm good at that at least. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I figure I can go back to it if I need to.
0: So, you don't necessarily view this as a forever decision, like I'm done working forever?
1: It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think it could be. So, you, you, uh, you think know,
0: financially I, you are at a point where as long as you're in or as long as you're, um, spending doesn't change dramatically you actually have enough to sustain you
1: I do yeah um you know I'll have a little bit of money coming in from the coaching mm-hmm. I can teach um the one-off uh, online class uh, whenever I need a couple of bucks or whenever I feel like I want to um and I have the house that's kind of my trump card I guess financially true, true. um I can you know if if I can make my, uh, savings and whatever income I have last for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it might be, I, I'm going to have the house and with ridiculous, uh, property values in Colorado, you know, that that'll be a big lump sum of money too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, for sure. So I think with all those things, I probably, um, probably don't need to worry too much about going back full time unless something major happens.
0: It's funny. You're like pro home ownership, but can't live in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The buying the house was the best financial decision I ever made. Um, strangely enough, yeah. I, I can't. I can't be in that. I can't be in that neighborhood. <laughs> I don't need the cops called any more times about my weeds. So. Uh, <laughs> True hilarious. story. By the yeah.
0: way, wow. You must have yeah. had some serious weeds. They called the police.
1: Yeah, I did have some serious weeds, but uh, <laughs> they were they were in the backyard. So for a while, I just decided, hey, like. I, you know, you don't have to mow and, uh, fertilize a field in Colorado and it turns out looking pretty, pretty cool. Right. You know, <laughs> like So I was like, I'm just going to neglect this backyard because we have six foot fences and who's going to mm-hmm. care. And Somebody I'd cares. say, a, yeah, yeah. About a year into that experiment. It was awesome. I had wildlife coming to the backyard. It was so weird. Like, like that's why you bees. got the cops
0: called. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Too many chipmunks. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there were some, there were some pretty impressive weeds and, you know, there were lots of birds though. And there were, there were like, you know, some, for some reason, this little oasis, oasis of natural land in the middle of the suburbs turned into this place where like nature would come. I thought it was great. The neighbors called the cops. Yeah. I
0: think they, (laughs) what you loved, they hated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't want an oasis in their neighborhood, a wildlife oasis.
1: No, no. So fair (laughs) enough. What's funny is the police, when they came, there's a little checkbox on their ticket that says, you know, weeds. Really? So this is a common enough occurrence out in the suburbs uh, that they had to put that as a checkbox.
0: Man. Yeah, I guess when you're not in an HOA neighborhood, the police, I guess that's the only other interface you have of someone to deal with it.
1: In, I am in an HOA neighborhood, oh, you are? Which, which is the funny part. Oh yeah. I mean, I would also get HOA letters every, you know, a couple times a year, but they never looked in the backyard, <laughs> the HOA. So the, the cop calls came from the neighbors from behind, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Let me ask you a, <laughs> a nerdy question just about, yeah, life expenses and stuff like that. So again, you have low expenses. Have you modeled like, okay, with inflation or whatever, I'll have to spend more and more each year? Or are you kind of just moving this number forward and just, how do you no, work through am,
1: that? I'm totally winging it. Totally um, winging it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the people of the FIRE movement would be very disappointed. Um, I'm making it up as I go along. And You'd be if surprised. if I run out of money, I'll, I'll, work, I'll work again. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, I realize that that's kind of a, a consideration. Um, you know, there actually is one more income <laughs> Source that I'll have whenever I turn say sixty, because I've worked in the community college system for so long, I will have a small pension. Mm, Yeah, that's um, true. Eventually, so kind of my thought in the back of my head is like, okay, inflation is going to happen, but you know when that hits and I have to start living the rest of my life out, um, I'll have this this extra source. You know, maybe a couple thousand dollars or something a month coming in uh, because of the pension.
0: Yeah, and I kind of appreciate your approach compared to ours. Which was very much overly thought through, overly analytical, overly stressful. And to your, to your point, like how much are we missing the forest for the trees for worrying about stuff too much? How much does that really affect life? Whereas we made sure everything was just perfect. Like if we were going to quit our jobs, like there was no question, barring any unforeseen un to this point, you know, unforeseen historical collapse. Like we had things shored up. That said. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with how to finish this sentence, but it, it it's been like we obsessed over it. We really did, and we yeah, still sure. have arguments about like, okay, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? But I kind of appreciate your kind of lighthearted approach. It's like, ah, eh, you know, uh, yeah, I got some income here. I'll do this, and if it doesn't work out, I'll just do this. <laughs> and that's kind of where I always try and remind myself, like, you know, I'm I'm 37, and so it's not like I'm not going to make another dime my whole life. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, sure. You find things yeah. you enjoy. Like for you, yeah. it might be coaching or maybe picking up a little bit of side work. And, uh, I think like the, the full on retirement gets way overly glamorized because most people will be bored out of their minds in like a year and a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that's a, that kind of, um, thought process and, and I have it too. I really do. Huh. Um, but it's a barrier to change Yeah. Um, yeah. for in, in any situation. I mean, a lot of people don't get into the van life thing, you know. People I've talked to they walk up and they'll say, "Oh, I really want to do this, but you know, I have this and this and this." And a lot of times, you know, I think to myself, or sometimes I'll say it, you know, that's not really anything that should keep you from doing this. Hmm. You, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. People, uh, you know, spend a lot of time building out their vans and getting it just be, just perfect before they move in. Exactly. I mean. I moved into an empty van. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I actually, with the divorce, uh, my ex got the old van and I actually took out money from the house and bought a new empty van.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, So I moved into that thing. It was, it was completely empty. You know, you have a a futon mattress in the back (laughs) and, uh, you know, I had Jackie, you know, with me a lot of the times and she was like, I like it like this, (laughs) which is wonderful. Um. But, you know, you, we slowly built it out. You know, you put a, a elevated bed in and that's good and that's an improvement. And then you can mm-hmm. get a refrigerator and a battery, an extra battery to run that. And, you know, slowly you make it what you want it to be. But it doesn't have to be perfect before you walk into it, I guess is uh, the analogy I'm trying to make. To, no, I, I love it because I would
0: have been that guy who had everything perfect, measured out, leveled to the T before yeah. I ever spent a night in it. Well, I may, yeah. certainly not before I moved into it. And I respect sure. that. I really do, because it's just not where my mind goes. I'm like, everything has to be just so before I can make a change, To like you said. Sure. So sure. What, what do people yeah. say when you're like, what's keeping me from doing this?
1: Um, oh, I'm sorry?
0: Like, when, when you talk, when people are like, hey, I'd really love to do that. That's so cool. And you're like, well, you know, what's keeping you from it? What do you hear back yeah. from people?
1: Yeah, you know, it's either... Um some of it is you don't have the money to build it out. Um, that's, that's a really common one. Like, Oh, I could afford a van, but you know, I I don't have the money to, Mm -hmm. to, to build it out, or I don't have the time to build it out. I mean, a really legit one is, you know, I have kids or, you know, pets or something like that. Um, I actually lived in, in the summers uh, with my ex with a couple of cats. So, you know, (laughs) you can bring the, you can bring the pets along sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, those are a lot of the reasons. Um, just lack of time to make it happen, the lack of uh, funds to make it happen, uh, not enough knowledge maybe mm-hmm. to build it out to make it happen. Or um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the change is hard. I mean, making a major life change like moving into a van is a really scary thing to do. I understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of us tend to um, latch on to things so that we don't have to go through that scary. The process. I think you're right. Yeah. So, you you know, lots of excuses. Um, (laughs) They're not, (laughs) you know, some of them really legitimate and some of them maybe not quite as much.
0: Um, Well, what do you think about, you know, because I'm always cautious to people about, especially the van thing. I don't know. I feel like I've even maybe gotten a little bit of reputation as being against it, which I'm not. I actually consider, I have a camper. I lived on the road for a while. I consider all the time buying a van. But a yeah. lot of people think they'll move into it and everything will be great, and they'll they'll be pretty much live your life. They'll have lower expenses, um, they can keep working their jobs. But I see a lot of used vans on Craigslist, and <laughs> so why do you think? I think a lot of people have this idea, but you're actually you've you've made it. I feel like the five year mark is real test. Like I feel like most people make yeah. it a year at the most. We didn't make it a year yeah so is it just something about your personality? It just is it just a great fit or what do you think people go wrong with it?
1: Yeah, I, I think a big part of it is um, not just my personality but Jackies mm, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah we both we both love that kind of lifestyle so uh, makes us happy. And also uh, you know, we have very similar uh, personalities and get along so well that it works out okay. So there, there's no stress between us and there's no stress as far as not having a lot of stuff. Um, why people end up leaving, I think those are some of the reasons, you know, it doesn't work out for the relationship so well, um, which totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, people like having a yard, you know, they want to have a dog. I heard one person say, well, I really want to have a dog at some point in my life and to have a dog, I need a yard. So I can't do that with a van. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we had a dog on our trip and she actually loved it,
1: but. Yeah, I think a dog would actually love that. You get a lot, lot of outdoor time. Yeah, and um, so I, I think I don't know. I, I, I could be wrong about this. Everybody's different, you mm-hmm. know. So I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think a lot of times what ends up winning is kind of our we're social beings, and our culture yeah. says that we need to get a house, and um, in order to be respectable and be respected by your community, you have to do what. Everybody else is doing, and uh, mm. the, for a lot of people, that means getting a house, getting married, having kids, and uh, living that more traditional lifestyle. Which you know, that's great. I totally understand it, um, but I think that is a big part of why a lot of people um, don't can't pull it off.
0: I, I think I mean, you're absolutely right. I do think it's, it's
1: it, social pull.
0: It's hard not to feel like you're an outsider living like that, like you're on the fringes of yeah the
1: herd. In, In some sense, you are.
2: Yeah,
0: you are. You are. I felt that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're like, for us, you know, you're out in some national forest land or, yeah, like for you guys, a parking lot. You know, it's just not traditional. It's not where the herd is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I could see it being very isolating. I mean, I have Jackie and we Uh we have each other, I guess. And um, I could see doing it on my own as being very isolating and probably could create a lot of like depression issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that could be a reason why uh, a lot of people trying to do it solo don't make it last as well.
0: I mean, do you think someone who's naturally extroverted could even enjoy this at all without traveling with a whole (laughs) crew of people? I I wonder this. I really Uh, do.
1: I think you'd have to make some serious changes to the interior where you could like have people over or something. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, I feel like extroversion and um, hosting comes along with having a lot of things with which to host. True. Um, maybe you could pull it off. You do like a bring your own spoon kind of a <laughs> <laughs> event. Um, That's
0: hilarious. You know, I
1: don't know. I mean, we, we have like, we don't have anything for anybody else. So if anybody was ever to come over to our van and hang out, we'd be like, uh, bring your own everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> bring your bowl. Uh, bring your,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can't help you.
0: No, that's how ours was too. I mean, space is a commodity for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if you're extroverted, I totally get it. I mean, there are a lot of other people out there on the road living some kind of a lifestyle like this. And so there are a lot of people to talk to um, if you if you want to. <laughs> yeah, there's more. There's
0: more than there used to be. That's for sure.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but no, I... I I look back and, you know, my ex was uh, very extroverted. And I, I wonder if she would have been able to do that lifestyle. Hmm. Um, she, she had the old van for a while. And uh, at least rumor has it that she's uh, not living in that van situation anymore.
0: Oh, so she was living um, so, in it too. Weird. Okay.
1: Yeah, she did kind of after the divorce. I, I think she did for, um, for a little while. And then uh, I don't think she's doing that anymore. Yeah, I, I do think it, it would be hard as an extrovert for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Well, before we leave the the van life track, do you have any? I mean, because I I see some some really nice vans out there these days. Do you have any advice for someone who really is, I'd say, you know, quote unquote, making it with this lifestyle, who's been on the road, not on the road, but living like this for five years now? um, What advice do you have? Do you see like overkill or underkill or just like what do you see people missing the mark on if they go down this route?
1: This is a personal opinion, this first sure. one, but I do think that the builds are a little bit of overkill,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, especially if you're trying to save some money. Yeah. Um, you might not be able to keep that van for more than, I don't know how many years a van is going to run. Um, and if you put, you know, people are putting forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 into these builds. Absolutely. And I look at that and I think, well, every year then you're, you know, spending five or 10000 just on that build. Um, depending on how long the van lasts, of course. Um, so I, I think there is a little bit of overkill as far as um, uh, as far as the build outs are concerned. Um, <laughs> and, and you know that's that is very much a personal opinion because if you looked at our van, you'd be like, "Oh my God, you've been living in this for five years." Because <laughs> it is it is very minimal. It's our our van is built out less than almost any van we ever see.
0: know um, <laughs> well, I mean, but that. That's what I kind of wanted to hear. And I I feel the same way. I feel like, and especially a lot of people, you know, and again, it's personal opinion, personal preference. I mean, if folks got the money, of course, do whatever you want. Sure. But, you know, if you're trying to have, you know, minimum effective dose to make this livable, and obviously personality goes into it, you clearly thrive on less is more. But yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. You don't have the coolest decked out. I don't know what the inside of your van looks like. Maybe we could get a photo to share if you're comfortable with it, but <laughs> maybe not. Sure, sure. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, t- I guess it doesn't, for the right person, it doesn't take much. That, that should be encouraging to some folks to some degree.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my other piece of advice uh, would be, you will be surprised what you get used to. Hmm. Uh, we are very, very adaptable uh, yeah. humans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's part of the reason for, I think, a lot of our unhappiness. But um, as far as downsizing goes, um, it's just as easy as upsizing, uh, to me, at least. And the, the relief that I got, I mean, I had this house, right? And I had to mm-hmm. empty it out. And I was thinking, okay, I probably don't need that much, but I'm going to rent one of these dumpsters and put it in the driveway. And this, this dumpster was huge. It was like, it was like, my God, this is ridiculous. Like, there's no way I can fill even half of this thing. <laughs> And, and I gave as much as I could away to Goodwill and, you know, a couple of things I sold, like some instruments on uh, Craigslist and stuff like that. I completely filled that, that thing <laughs> to the top. And I'm a person who doesn't feel like he liked having much stuff. And you know, that's, <laughs> it was shocking how much stuff I had, but the relief, honestly, that I felt, um, when I, when I got rid of all that mm-hmm. stuff was, was really high. And, um, I felt like my stress levels went down like almost instantaneously um, when I, when I got rid of all that and moving into the van a couple days later, it's like, this is the new normal. Um, we're, we're so adaptable. Um, you know, and obviously I'm not trying to sell it. <laughs> I know this is not for anybody, for everybody. Don't blame me if you try it and you hate it, but um, or me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No hate mail. Um, but, uh, I mean, it is really surprising what we, what we get used to. I mean, yeah. when Jackie and I always talk about it going the other way, like, uh, moving the goalposts, you know, whether it's, whether it's with a climbing grade, you know, you want to climb this grade and that's the only thing you want to do in your whole life. And then you do it. And then like, all of a sudden you want to climb the next hardest grade, <laughs> um, to like, you know, you have, uh, what do people say? Like you have an 18 foot boat and you want a 21 foot boat right, and you right, get a 21 right. foot boat. And you want the next size up. You're always kind of moving the goalposts for your happiness. Um, and there's a lot of research and, uh,
0: just to support that. Um, about yeah, how we have yeah. this kind of emotional normalization at every step. And I think it goes the other way. I mean, I'm going to brag on you a minute. You just did your first 514A, what blank check out in Lime Park this summer? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks for bragging for me. Yeah. I I knew you wouldn't want to do it on your own. So, (laughs)
0: Um, but then, you know what? A month later, you're bedridden in a wheelchair, but you still (laughs) seem like a pretty content guy. And I think, you know, we see this in humanity. You're always like, well, if that ever happened, I would just be done. I'd just like shoot me, you know, yeah. I'm over it. Sure, sure. But we yeah. see how people can live through these really trying times and just yeah. still kind of find the silver lining in them.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. You know, I mean, it's probably cliche at this point. But, I mean, I think <laughs> when you start being actually happy is the moment when you realize, like, none of that stuff is going to make you happy. Mm. Um, so mm. um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. What all, a lot of stuff I want to ask you. How are you
2: doing on yeah. time,
1: by the way? Oh, I'm. I am fine for the next six weeks. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs> Anything to keep me from watching the next uh, episode of Squid Game? Is okay. uh, is great for me?
0: Yeah, I assumed you didn't have anywhere in particular to be, but I wanted. To- yeah. Let's yeah. let's talk about some more real world logistics. Um, so you were about to leave this job, you had healthcare insurance, and then you just totally decked from the top of a climbing route. <laughs> this could Good have timing, yeah. This could have seriously bankrupted you. I mean, what what do you think the bills would be? I mean, do you even know yet what you'd be looking at without insurance?
1: Oh God, without insurance, I have no idea. I mean, so the average night stay in a hospital is somewhere around three thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, this particular hospital that I was just helicoptered to, it would be, would have been a lot more than that. Um, I was in a hospital for 14 days, mm. so got even take the 3000 times 14 and, yeah. you know, I'm not the best at math, but <laughs> you know, there's $50,000 before any tests or procedures right. or anything like that.
0: And those are all many hundreds um, of thousands of dollars per test, per procedure.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. In the surgery, you know, I had, um, pelvic surgery. They had to put a couple of screws in there. Um, the cost there would have been just like astronomical.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, I, I would say minimum, very minimum, uh, a hundred thousand plus Yeah. for all this stuff. Um, I've yeah. been starting to get some bills and, uh, you know, I, I have pretty good insurance, but, um, <laughs> It would also, besides being uh, close to bankrupting, it would destroy your your brain and your psyche for the rest of your life if you had to like actually figure out what was going on with these bills. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a stack of 10 bills right now, and they, they're seemingly overlapping, and they're all from different places, and they hardly make any sense whatsoever. They, they say things on them like, um, continued care for severe or moderate injury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so like, well, which one <laughs> yeah um so yeah yeah had i not had health insurance it would be um it would certainly be bankrupting um hmm. i and i know that you can kind of uh haggle i guess with uh, with the billing department you can and but, that's right? worth
0: noting yeah
1: yeah definitely uh, even in my case when i have insurance if it comes to it um we can all do that but i have like I said, I have 10 different bills right now from 10 different billing departments. Um, so you'd have to be haggling with 10 different places, it, it would seem.
0: Um, yeah, for an injury, with, to your extent, your injuries with the amount of procedures, it would be absolutely overwhelming. I mean, if you went in for yeah. like one little surgery and wanted to haggle that, it'd be pretty straightforward. But because you had so many things going on at once, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can't even
1: imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to not, not let it be overwhelming at all. But, um, you know, you start getting st- stacks of bills in and you can't help but start to get a little worried that there's going to be a huge one uh, over the horizon.
0: Yeah, and so I hear from people, all, this is something I have to write about all the time um, because we've been figuring out, you know, this was our first year of non-W2 income, just kind of doing the quote-unquote early retirement life. Yeah, and the biggest yeah. question by far I get from people all the time is what about health insurance? So, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to talk about what we've done for folks, but what was your plan if you were to walk away from your job, which included a health insurance package? How were you going to fill that? And had you even planned to?
1: Yeah, so uh, two options. Um, Jackie had offered uh, to put me on hers if, if I wanted it or needed it, which is the most romantic way to say that we would have gotten married. <laughs>
0: Ah, you said romance is yeah. dead.
1: Nope. I wanted nope. to talk about that,
0: so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, because you you have to be married. Yeah, you have to be married, legally married. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which you know she has no problem with. I have no problem with. <laughs> it's it's silly. It's it's, it's the most rant, romantic thing to say. Yeah, we have no problem getting married for health insurance. <laughs> no, I'm and you know,
0: so glad you brought that up. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've lived in a van together for five years, so there's no one could be closer <laughs> mm-hmm. you know than the two of us but uh but yeah we hadn't really it's a formality but an marriage. important
0: one and yeah we can talk about that in a minute but yes okay so what's yeah. your number two here
1: so the number two has become um really the number one most recently uh the uh the exchanges the affordable care act mm-hmm. exchanges uh, you know my salary i'm not planning on it being any higher than say 20 25000 mm-hmm. for a while and you put that into their little calculator and you know, out pops pretty much free health insurance.
0: That's right. Um, That's right.
1: And I, I already chose mine actually for 2022.
0: Um, Did you? Okay.
1: And yeah, so you know, I put in that salary and you know everything else. You know, my past salary and all that information, and I um, ended up with something like a three hundred and sixty dollars subsidy or something like that. And um, I ended up getting. Uh, so they have bronze, silver, and gold plans. Mm-hmm. And I ended up choosing a a silver plan and it was only 40 bucks a month.
0: Wow. That's really, yeah, that, and I wanted people to understand that because everyone thinks that healthcare on the exchanges, Obamacare, whatever, you know, for better or worse, gets that tagline that it's going to be, you know, prohibitively expensive. And if your income is high, it can be expensive, but folks don't realize how many subsidies go into this. at, at the lower incomes and they're not that low. You can make for two people upwards of $70,000 almost and still get subsidized healthcare. Um, and for Mm -hmm. someone in your position, my position who can control their income and keep it quite low because you know, we don't need, you know, we're no longer in kind of wealth aggregation mode. We just need what we need to live off of. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean that we're, we're on a bronze plan. We, we went lower and, um, our, our, um, premium right now is under ten dollars a month and we actually have incentives for just activity for walking
2: yeah and we just
0: you know track it on our phone just like we would normally and we actually get paid forty dollars a month for those wellness incentives yeah so we actually have negative (laughs) health insurance rates. so yeah it's great i just always want to point that out to folks and i'm glad you came to that on your own because it's very real and it works i mean i'm dealing with it right now for some other healthcare issues and it works. It works just like my old employer sponsored plan did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I honestly thought when I was kind of thinking about this, you know, leaving my job thing, um, I honestly thought it was going to be something like 5,000 a year. Me too. That's um, what I budget about. it for my, yeah. So, um, I was, I was actually shocked by how, um, little I would eventually have to pay. That does require that you, you know, not have much income. Like, I considered for a while, even recently, um, just trying to pay off my house. So then, mm-hmm. all that rental income was just would just be for me. But then, when you realize, that, you know, that's a fair amount of income, and that would reduce your um, your subsidy.
0: Subsidies, yeah. Uh,
1: so it's kind of like, well, do I want to do that? It's like a whole big calculation.
0: Uh, it is. You, so yeah,
1: you kinda, you kind of have to keep an eye on your income.
0: It is a bit of an intricate web. You have to control your income, and yeah, we're in a position where we can. We can turn some knobs. Um, if I just had a job that was paying me a hundred thousand dollars a year or something, I just would have to just pay the going rate, right, and that's all you can do. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: So I guess if somebody doesn't know out there, it, you report your expected income, and if you miss it, uh, if you miss the mark, or if you get a job or something that pays really well, then mm-hmm. they ended up kind of getting you on your taxes. At that's the right. End of the year. That's right. The next um, year's taxes. Or you is- can just opt out of it. Uh, it seems like. Yeah, that would be a
0: qualifying kind of life event where you could just yeah. move on. Um, yeah. yeah, all right. So let's talk about, yeah, you you mentioned this. Um, we were laughing offline on this on a call last week where you were like, you know, I don't want to kill romance, but, you know, there are some <laughs> tactical kind of pros of being married. So, and, uh, you know, you were in a hospital and how what was that like for her? You know, you guys are practically married for all intents and purposes, but she yeah, can't yeah. come in as a spouse. Like, how was that for you guys?
1: oh it was actually okay it wasn't Um, okay it was it was kind of for our situation it was okay Um, she could come in you know basically I could have one visitor per day and uh, in the first hospital she literally was there like very close to 24 7 Hmm. Um, she would they let her sleep there and everything so um, you know she was she was great and that that worked out actually really well the place where it wouldn't work out potentially would be if it was worse and, uh, there was some kind of end of life right, decision-making right, happening. Right. And, you know, that's another reason that Jackie and I have kind of discussed it. Um, you know, that's a big decision and I would want her to make it for me and she would want me to make it for her. Right. So, um, there's another super romantic <laughs> uh, reason. Maybe that's a little more romantic than healthcare, but, um, that, that's a little yeah, more romantic. No- another reason to be more to be married. Yeah. Well, if
0: you want to get really unromantic, another reason is that if you file your taxes jointly, you uh, can save on taxes. So, let's get real now, rom- unromantic. I think, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I here's a question for you if okay. if I if we were married, I would be able to get under uh, Jackie's health insurance. Would I still mm-hmm. quali- qualify for that subsidy? Uh,
0: so, if you were married y- No, you would not. If you're married, you have to, if your spouse has health insurance, you cannot qualify for an exchange plan.
1: Yeah. 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 And I guess just for the record, the uh, difference between her having a solo healthcare plan through her work and a family or a spouse healthcare plan through her work was uh, $300 a month.
0: That's pretty significant, actually.
1: Yeah, that was actually pretty high. It was. Yeah, I'm surprised.
0: Because usually it doesn't add a whole lot to add a spouse. It's usually a pretty sweet deal. And when I left my job, like a full 10 months before my wife did. It was a no brainer to go on her insurance. I really didn't have a choice. It was either that or stay on like Cobra coverage from my old job, which is extremely yeah, expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I couldn't get an exchange plan. So it was a no brainer and it didn't cost her much more at all, but that's sure. interesting.
1: Sure. But uh, what other romantic reasons do you have? So, <laughs> You mean actual romantic reasons? No, those are the only no, no, no. those are the only nerdy <laughs> ones
0: I have, honestly. The the, oh, okay. the taxes, the yeah, just like major just sort of legal the legality side of things. You know, yeah. home ownership, things like that. It can get very nasty. Um well, it can get nasty either way if you guys split. I mean, there's no once you once you integrate a life, you yeah. know, if you own stuff, if you own pets, yeah. if you own anything, whether you're legally married or yeah. not, maybe it doesn't matter. It's just nasty. Um, Yeah,
1: that's what I always say to, you know, people who expect us to be married already, say like parents, (laughs) right? right. Um, you know, it's like there's really no difference uh, between us being married right now and us not being married as far as all that splitting up stuff is concerned. um, The the only real difference that we see is the the end of the end of life decision making, which which is a big deal and uh, came to the forefront of our minds recently, of course.
0: Well, to ask maybe a too personal question, I mean, is there any reason why you haven't? I mean, is there like a family history? Because I'll, I'll admit for me, you know, I we both came from divorced parents. So I was just like, well, I want to make sure I know this is right. You know, there's a history here on both of our sides. So that was our hesitation for a long time. We did the same thing. We lived together for a long time. I mean, we were married yeah. for years before we were married, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I can only speak for myself on this one. But sure. no, uh, my parents have been married, you know, my whole life. Still are, um,
0: just no so, hurry. So
1: yeah, yeah, no hurry. You know, and I've I've been married once before. The first one I true, jumped into true. fairly quickly, and uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of trauma there or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can maybe you can work through this with me as my new therapist. So.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you want me <laughs> as your therapist. <laughs> maybe you can um, be my therapist. We can yeah. be each other's therapist.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe there's something there. I'm not sure. But, I, you know, I, when there's not a clear reason to do something, I, I think maybe we just have both had this tendency to not do it. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, Jackie might have her own story. But, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'd be happy to do it at any point. <laughs> I feel like I'm proposing over through this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in, That's hilarious. In a very
1: unromantic <laughs> yeah. way. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, there's no reason to jump through that. It's a very small hoop. Mm-hmm. There's no reason yeah. not to. Um, yeah, maybe it'll happen someday. I don't know. I don't really know.
0: <laughs> no, I appreciate that. It, it, it's, I think, yeah, sometimes events like this can make you see the practical side of it. Um, but I, I was with you. I mean, for the longest time, my wife will still tell you, she's like, I didn't think he was ever going to ask me. I thought he was going to be like <laughs> the journey mate kind of approach where we just live together and just call each other you know, the best of friends, but, um, yeah, you, you can
1: know. call each other lover for your whole life. Yeah. I actually had, a <laughs> I had a professor in
0: grad school. They finally got married in like the last few years or something, but they had been together for decades and just called each other journey mates and it was hilarious. Oh. You just had to know the guy, but so this is my journey mate. And, uh, he just, I don't know, for whatever reason, just didn't want to seal yeah. the deal, but finally did. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. That's it's cool. a fascinating thing. It's not, this is also not uncommon. I see people in long-term relationships. They're just like, Hey, you know, what's the hurry?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, think that's a millennial thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it yeah. is. You know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I think, is generational and I just yeah I, yeah, I see a lot of myself in it as well. Um, let's talk sure. about music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have I I was listening in the recent days mm. and I'm impressed, man. I like well, it. That's nice um, of you. Yeah. Tell me about what your history in music, what you've done. You you've released some stuff. You even have some very interesting and I like super cool um. Uh, music videos that you've put out on your website
1: Um, (laughs) yeah so on some on a fundamental level the answer is i need um a bottomless pit for obsession Hmm. me too me too (laughs) yeah so um you know i don't know I, i picked up the guitar when i was in you know like junior high pretty young always been really into music um always was more of a listener than a doer, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um I love instruments, you know. Like if I if somebody had a piano, I'd be like, oh my God, can I sit down in front of it and just like mess around? Cause like this is like the best thing ever. Um, so you know, I've I've kind of collected some instruments like back when I was in the house. I had a piano and a bunch of guitars and drums and stuff like that. Um, but never really did anything with it. I always thought maybe I would, but um, you know, I just kind of have that, don't have the time excuse. Um, But yeah, in 2014, I think it was, um, I pulled a a pulley, an A2 pulley in my right hand Mm -hmm. climbing. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll start running. So I I think I started training for like a half marathon or something like that. And um, I broke both of my feet. (laughs) (laughs) I I got stress fractures in both of my feet. So I couldn't run and I couldn't climb. So I was like, oh, man, I got to do something. So I was like, okay, there, there's my chance. I guess I'll um, start writing some songs and, you know, start figure out how to record them in this house. And and yeah, I started putting stuff together.
0: Um, so you had not, you had not been playing instruments your whole life. You just kind of taught yourself on a short term basis. Um,
1: yeah, I had be, been playing the guitar. Oh, okay, um, you did just say that. My, I'm sorry, close to my whole life. Yeah. But um, besides that, you know, drums, piano, all that stuff was just like, you know if I'm going to have this in a song, I better learn how to play this one song.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you self-produced and played all the instruments and everything you've done. Correct. This is not a, band, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just
1: yeah, did it in well my done. living room. Yeah. I think I called it suburban living room studios. <laughs> Would you be okay um, if I put
0: like one of the songs at the end of this when when it's all produced, is that something? Oh, sure. Okay just
1: don't pick, just don't pick a bad one. Okay, well, maybe I'll let you pick. I can tell you the one I like the okay. most, but uh, oh, yeah. offline, we can talk. But, okay. Yeah. okay, okay, okay. And right. you
0: can tell me if it's, like, not your favorite at all. But
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started doing that, and then, you know, you learn how to record. I, I recorded that first album with one microphone, mm-hmm. which was hilarious. Um, you know, lots of overdubs. Yeah. And um, then I kind of, you know, got a nicer microphone for the next album, and, you know, like... Got a little uh, MIDI controller keyboard, so you can record some other instruments. And then for the last album, I just like made all of the noise I possibly could by hitting buttons. <laughs> 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 kind of went over the top with the with the uh, producing on the computer kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, and then after that, I we moved into the van. So um, so that was kind of the end of my of my recording career.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, are you do you even carry instruments with you anymore, or where?
1: I have one guitar with me. Um, so where's everything all your staff? else, all my other. So I sold a bunch of instruments. I gave my drums to a friend who I thought wanted to play drums. <laughs> um, I left some, I left a bass and a bass amp in, in a friend's basement. Um, I guess there's a piano down there too, like an electric uh, keyboard, I guess. Um, so it's just yeah, just kind of breeze. scattered throughout yeah. the world, but I, I don't expect to ever have any of them back. Um, they're pretty much donations at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so you so, haven't yeah. recorded
0: music since what, 2017? Is that the time frame?
1: Yeah. It would have been 20, yeah. Late, late 2016. Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: So yeah, none of this is super new then. Yeah. I was trying to figure out a timestamp on this, but didn't know if it was recent or kind of older. I had a sense it was a little older, so yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would love to go back to it at some point too. Um it was a lot of fun, but um you know, I have this midi um microphone, mm-hmm. or not midi, <laughs> a USB microphone, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. word. And uh you know, I got that uh it was actually a gift, but I got it um to record on my uh MacBook, my MacBook Pro. Um so that was going to be my setup in the van, but then my MacBook got stolen. <laughs> really? Out of the van? So, yeah, out of the van. It's oh, wow. a whole other story. But um Yeah, so I was kind of like, well, okay, that little thing that I used to own is gone now, too. So that's fine. So just
0: (laughs) this is your whole life philosophy. I love this. Like, uh,
1: oh, well. Yeah, it's strange. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, I think it probably started well before I was in the van, but Mm -hmm. um, definitely was amplified after I was in the van. Uh, This kind of like feeling of like, you know, this stuff that I have around me, I don't really own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it could go away and that would be fine.
0: That's a pretty healthy way to live. I got to tell you, I don't think a lot of people have that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but um, yeah, the van life helps for sure.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about when you get back to climbing. I mean, I know to climb at your level, you got to be driven. You got to want it and maybe want it too much sometimes. And you wrote recently <laughs> on on climbing in particular, you said, I want to enjoy each movement And each attempt on a route more, I want to focus less on when I might send. And, you know, for those that don't climb, send means, you know, to do it without falling. It's quite a process sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So have you struggled with that in the past? I mean, is that something you've maybe kind of taken too far?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, geez, anybody who's gotten serious into climbing has has had that issue. You know, you have a beautiful day out. You know, it's like, this is perfect weather and you're in this beautiful area and this crag and, you're doing this thing that you really in theory love to do <laughs> and <laughs> then theory. you climb badly and somehow it was a bad day. Yep. You know, God. Um, yep. I, I've, I've been there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been there a lot. It, it took me, I tell people it took me like eight years to get comfortable with climbing and this, like, you know, this idea of uh, failure and success and how any day you go out there you could, you could be failing. And, um, yeah, it really took me a long time before I really went out to the crag and felt like, man, I really like this. <laughs> like, this is really, this is really what I want to be doing. This is, this is fantastic.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, it took a long time. Um, but you know, since then, I, I think that transition happened around when all my other tra- transitions happened in, mm-hmm. in 2017. And, uh, I honestly, I feel like I haven't had a bad day since then. Really? Um, I, I do. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've had a, had a good day climbing pretty much, pretty much every day since, since 2017, which is, which is nice. It's not that every day I like climbed really well. That's obviously not the case, but, um, yeah, just, I found some reason that, um, that it was a really nice day.
0: Well, it, it must have predated that by some degree. And tell me if you remember this day, cause I think I remember the first day I ever ran into you and I think you were with your ex-wife and it was in <laughs> late 2016. Cause I remember that's when I was working on, uh, yeah. the route Twitch in Clear Creek Canyon. And uh, oh,
1: no way. Yeah. I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I
0: was struggling. I was like stick-clipping through the crux. It's got this short-lived little feisty thing, and you yeah. came in, and you fell in like the last move. You were so close, <laughs> and I I just know how I would have been in that moment. I would have been just like, mm-hmm. you know, screaming expletives and just be like, you know, all <laughs> mopey, and you were just like, oh, I don't know, pretty close, you know, and just came down, <laughs> and then I think you guys just left. I think your wife got on it. Um, she was also close, and you guys just packed up, and you just seemed so nonchalant about it. And I was like, "Man, that's amazing. I need to kind of like take this guy's mentality a little bit more." Oh,
1: that's that's really funny. So I don't no, know. I remember, remember that day. Yeah. I yep. remember you. Yeah, yeah, yep. for sure. That's me. Um, yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah.
0: So that was late 2016. I definitely remember it because I never actually ended up sending that stupid thing. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe it's not, no Twitch. That that route is particularly hard. It's feisty. Um, it's super. Feisty. Yeah, yeah, yeah um did you come yeah, back you know done? I, I did yeah okay. I came back on another day with um yeah uh, a little different company and <laughs> yeah okay uh, yeah it was it was it was good I, fin- I finished it up um yeah but that was man that was a hard one I still think that that thing's uh hard for the grade I think it gets 12d and I'm, I'm on a campaign to call it 13 days, so <laughs> guy, if you want to join in yeah I can sign that <laughs> petition <laughs> yeah you know? exactly
0: no but i just um, remember that about you and i've, I've met people like that sense who climb at a high level and can kind of just shake it off and just be like hey it's another day you know it's part of the process and it's taken me a long time too and but obviously that made an impression on me because i still remember it and i'd run into you from time to time and i'm like hey there's that guy that climbs really well but doesn't take it too seriously
1: yeah that's <laughs> funny and i i do i do like that description actually i i, um, I didn't realize that anybody would have that opinion of me <laughs> in the world. Um, yeah I I guess it probably did predate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't have a tendency to get too mad about things I guess um, and now I mean I just I really love every day on the rock. I really love the process of of projecting and I can usually pull some positive out of a day even when I didn't have great progress um, I don't know, I just really like it and the idea that like I could have sent that day that you know you and I were at the crag mm-hmm. at the same time like. <laughs> I've kind of gotten over that idea of like, that was my chance to send. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if I almost sent it then, then I'll finish it the next day. Right. And the cool thing is when you finish a route and you climb it really well, that's like the best feeling. It is. You know, like you can fight and scream and get a send. And that's cool, too. That has its own, um, you know, its own kind of appeal. But, uh, when you climb a route really controlled and really well, you know, this route that you've been working on for a really long time, like there's no better feeling than that. So, you know, the fact that you didn't send that day, just means that you can come back another day and climb it better. Mm,
0: I like that. Um, Yeah. And I also like that you can talk about this in the present tense, despite being, you know, however you look right now. not maybe like a rock <laughs> climber. I don't know if you're like wrapped in cast or whatever, but yeah. we don't have yeah. a video connection right now, but Yeah,
1: no, it's it's not pretty. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah, love that you can maybe. talk
0: about that as if you you'll go do it tomorrow.
1: Oh man, I still feel that way, but yeah, yeah it's funny. Just last night I was uh, chatting with a friend about this whole retirement thing and I told him the whole thing like, you know, I don't have that many more years to be strong and he was like, "Man, I love you and everything, but like, I have to remind you of your current predicament. (laughs) You're not climbing that strong right now. (laughs) It's like sitting in a wheelchair, all these braces and stuff on and talking about how, I don't know, I'm not going to be this strong for long. (laughs) Like, Um, dude, you
0: are not strong right now. Maybe mentally (laughs) strong, quite mentally strong, but.
1: I am not strong at the moment. Um, oh well I love no, that you yeah, can laugh that's, that's about fine. it. I mean
0: this is only this isn't even like we're not even two months out. So I don't yeah, think many people would even weeks. want to talk about it right now. So I, I admire
1: it. Oh well thanks. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: Well, we've been going for a while. Is there anything else we haven't discussed that is on your brain? Um,
1: no, man, I feel like we just covered basically the whole gambit of Climbing and life and everything. So, (laughs) how long do you think you you
0: got? I just wanted to know how long you think you got left in the hotel before you can get back to the lifestyle you really love.
1: Yeah. So, it's funny. I don't know if they're just trying to keep you optimistic when you have an accident like this, but my initial prognosis was like, oh, you'll probably be back on your feet, at least trying to walk in like six weeks. And um, then I got to six weeks. I know. What did they say? I think they said three weeks, three or four weeks, you might be able to get on your feet. And then I got to that point and I said, okay, six weeks before you can even try to stand. And then I had my six week follow-up and now they're saying 12 weeks. Mm. So, um, I guess my earliest date for even trying to stand up is going to be December 15th.
0: Hmm. So about um, three months from your initial accident.
1: Yeah. Yep. About three months. And then that's, you know, every time it's kind of like a fingers crossed sort of a situation, I guess bone healing can happen slowly, but, um, Yeah. So that's my, that's my thought. I'll start to figure out how to walk again when, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, mid December. And then I don't know. I mean, I'm way too optimistic about this. I realize, but, um, I feel like if I can walk and put weight on my feet and move my body in that way that I won't, it won't take that long before I can climb something, Mm -hmm. you know? put me in a in a cup in a pair of gym shoes <laughs> rentals <laughs> because my feet are both really swollen yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know get me on a 57 on top rope and yeah I, I don't see how that could be much harder than walking at this point mm-hmm. so um, yeah I don't know So that's my hope my hope is to uh, climb something anything before the end of the year and um, if not then, then then early 2020.
0: Anything else about the rehab process that you just never saw coming?
1: Um, you know, I have, I haven't been in the hospital system at all ever in my life. Um, you know, I've broken a couple bones here and there, but, um, I am still shocked at, uh, how inconsistent the healthcare community is Mm. with their thoughts and diagnoses and, um, ideas about what should and shouldn't happen uh, that's the number one thing that stood out to me through this whole process is, uh, inconsistency. You know, one nurse will walk into the room and they'll say one thing. And then the next one, 10 minutes later, will walk in and say something in complete opposition.
0: Hmm. <laughs> and, that's frustrating.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it it is. It's, it's funny and, and frustrating and, um, and a little shocking. Um, but the amount, you know, we can like put together this iPhone, you know, that has the world of information on your fingertips, but we're not all like, our knowledge is not complete about the human body. No, no, <laughs> We do not have the answers. Um, and at times, neither do the healthcare professionals, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the number one thing that stood out is, uh, yeah, just how there isn't a definite answer to anything. Yeah. Hmm. Um,
0: Well, I want to wish you the best on your continued recovery. I I think we can all appreciate your optimism in in the face of all this. And yeah, I wish you the best.
1: Well, thanks, Chad. That's nice of you to say. (laughs) And I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for all this time. And I'll get with you on maybe getting some music or some other material to share. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up there. Okay, guys, thanks for hanging around all the way until the end with this interview with Craig Fallhaber. Okay, I want to leave you with a track that Craig produced some years ago. It's called When We're Honest. And Craig put this all together, self-produced, all the instruments, and he's got a great music video for it as well in the show notes. All right, let's do it.